Fratelloni's Hardware and Garden Stores brings you Garage Logic Podcast number 1095, June 12th, 2023. It was 95 degrees on this day in 1956, and they had about a five or six day heat wave back in 1956 when they reached the upper 90s. Mm. It was really must have been pleasant, yeah. huh? And 39 degrees on this day in 1877. Brought to you by? Well, a taco side. I see. Uh, anything you need for a clean lake shore can be obtained at Aquaside, a White Bear Lake company. The products are safe. They're quick to use. They're efficient. Uh, you know, do you want to ever wonder why you should eliminate lake weeds? So the kids will get out of your hair and go swimming. Look at that. That's where the lake detective is right now. Those people did not get Aquaside. No, you need Aquaside. Because... Weeds and algae and junk hamper <clears throat> recreational activities. Uh, it's a White Bear Lake company. I've used Aquaside products. I've seen them work, and I guarantee you they've been keeping beaches free of crud for more than 60 years with that complete line of products. Uh, call Aquaside. Explain exactly what you're looking at. They'll help you identify your problem and make sure you get the right product. Call one 800 328-9350 or go to aquaside.com. And now from the mayor's office above the boathouse on the east shore of Spoon Lake, it's Garage Logic with Chris Reavers manning Technology Corner, Kenny Olson from the Krabby Coffee Shop, John Hyde in the newsroom, and of course, the rookie. Here is your flashlight king, fireworks commissioner, and the keeper of common sense, your mayor. Joe Sushi. I had three things I was thinking about all weekend. Three things got stuck in my craw. Hmm. And I puzzled over them. And the first one requires me to contact the world's greatest lake detective. He has his own song and everything because no other podcast in the world has a lake detective. Steve McComas from Blue Water Science is joining us. And only you, only you can help me with this problem. Wow. Holy cow. You've never been stumped. Where are no you pressure. currently, sir? Are you on a case? I'm on the shoreline of Olive Magnet Lake in Burnsville in Apple Valley. It's a nice day, light breeze. Conditions are good. And you've checked in with local authorities? I just, yeah, I just did. I've gotten the clear. I got the all clear, and so we are on the case. Lake Detective, something I've wondered about all weekend, and only you can answer the question. You ready? Yeah, I'm ready. No pressure, but I'm ready. Well, we'll pick a lake, any lake. I'll pick White Bear just arbitrarily because I'm so familiar with it. Is the water in White Bear Lake... With the exception of some evaporation and rainfall, is the water in White Bear Lake the same water that was in White Bear Lake? I don't know. I'll just pick a number. A hundred years ago? Likely not. There's there's some remnant. That lake will flush about every... White Bear Lake is pretty slow flushing. It will flush out about every 10 to 12 years. Is that true of all lakes? Is that true of all lakes? Yes, it is. But all these lakes are going to be, uh, they'll, they'll have what they call, you know, turnover or a flushing rate. And it's based on, we have some water coming in. When some water comes in, Joe, yep. there's some water going out. I see. 
So there was a little bit residue and some remnants, maybe from a long time ago, some a little bit here and there. But for the most part, they they flushed. A white bear, which is mostly groundwater fed, has a bit longer retention time, but compared to like a bald eagle, which has a stream coming in and will flush that lake a little bit faster. So which is healthier? Which is a healthier environment, quick or slow? That's a great question. Depends on the water coming in. If you have good water coming in, then it's okay to have a quick uh, flush flushing rate. If you have bad water going in, you know, a lot of nutrients and a lot of fertilizers, right. then you'd prefer not to have quite as much coming in. And you, then you have rainwater diluting that, and then the rain will help uh, keep the water clear. You know, we get about a foot or two of rain a year, so automatically... Uh, if a lake's 10 feet deep, just on rainwater itself would probably flush that lake in five to six years. Okay. But deep within the the depths of a lake, White Bear, Minnetonka, Gull Lake, whatever, there might be some water that was been around for a while. Absolutely. Uh-huh. There's huh. always some remnant left. But right. the bulk of it is, uh, you know, because if the White Bear all lakes, will turn over. So in fall, that bottom water gets mixed up to the top. Uh-huh. So even the bottom water gets mixed up, and some of that will leave as well. Okay. We have water coming in, See? we have water going out. Might I ask what type of raging party were you at, Joe, where the topic of conversation was, <laughs> boy, I bet White Bear's water's been there for no, 100 I, years. No, I thought of this on my own. Oh, no, I just, see. It's a great great question. <laughs> Thank um, you. Thank you, Kenny. Uh, you know, oh, if, if you're smart, um, <laughs> if you're dumb, you ask questions like Reavers just did um <laughs> another question about swampland and marshes around lakes do they yeah. help keep the lakes pure and clean especially in farm country yes they do uh, a wetland can filter out a lot of particles and can also because there's so much vegetation it'll take up the nutrients so it acts as kind of a biological filter before the water goes in however there's always a caveat if we have dry conditions and there's not much water going out of the wetland, then that water sits there. And then when we get a wet year, that wetland kind of flushes. And so then we do bring in some nutrients. So mm. a wet year and a wet year is good. A dry year and then a wet year, not as good. Wetlands can be a source of nutrients in some cases. Fascinating. LD, how's your summer going? Are you busy? Oh, man, we're having, we're having tons of fun. Every, you know, June is a busy month, but, man, what a great month for the lakes. They're clear right now. They're as good as they're going to be. You've got loons up there. you got baby loons, baby ducks, baby geese. Everything is coming out, coming oh. alive. Oh, so boy. It's, it's a lot of fun to be on the lake. The eagles are hovering. They're always looking for a meal. Yep. And uh, we are, we're tracking everything. Well, you're the greatest, and uh, we continue to claim that you're, uh, you're America's your American podcast only lake detective. We used to be AM radio's only lake detective, but you've switched with us, and now your podcast only lake detective. I made that leap, and I'm glad you know it's all worked out. It's uh, it's so it's always fun, that's for sure. Thank you, sir. You've settled me down. I have question number one of my three questions answered. Thank you. One little side note. Yes. Even Lake Superior flushes, just that it takes 100 years. Wow. Mm. Really? Now, well, okay, let's step it up a notch. Do the oceans flush? No. No, they don't. Oh. They, uh, mm-hmm. they don't. When we get down to sea level, 
There's no place for the water to really flow. Not much flowing out of the oceans. Everything flows into the oceans. There we just are dependent on rain and evaporation. All right. Into the atmosphere. <coughs> right. And then sort of recycles. I suppose an ocean would turn over maybe every 10,000, <laughs> 10, 20,000 years. I will accept that answer because he's never been stumped. <laughs> I can't argue with it. No. Sounds right to me. <laughs> Sounds good to me. Thanks, LD. You're welcome. Always a pleasure. All Thank right. You. Blue Water Shine, Steve McCollum. Hey, I'm, my um, mind's at ease. There's still some water down there that's been there for a while. A- answer Reaver's question, though. How did this come about yeah, in, the, in the old brain? Because I, I think it's a great question. I'm I, just wondering why. I don't know. Hmm. Uh, it might have had its origins... When I heard about a guy having to uh, drain his swimming pool down to a certain level and refill it because the water was no longer accepting of the chemicals pools require to maintain a healthy swimming environment. Yeah, there was a few baby Ruth bars in there, too. So the the water apparently wears (laughs) out in pools, and that got me thinking, Judy! Yeah. (laughs) That got me thinking, oh, wait a minute. Is the water in White Bear Lake the same as it was 50 years ago, Hmm. 100 years ago? And we just got the answer. The answer is no. Is this the same guy that had a lawnmower go through his swimming pool a couple of years ago? Could have been, Patrick. It might have been. (laughs) Now, now, second question that I've been dwelling on. And uh, Dave Downing, I think, uh, is thinking along the same lines when we noted that the creatures who showed up in Las Vegas, in fact, if you miss this, I believe we played Friday a very serious, as as far as 10 o'clock newscast, the closer you get to the tallest buildings, get serious. But there was a landing, reportedly, of some sort of otherworldly vehicle in a guy's yard in Vegas and the uh, fellow interviewed, Angel, uh, reported that he saw beings mm-hmm. that were not 100%, that were 100% not human. Go ahead. Southern Nevada is abuzz tonight with stories about the crash of an unknown object and the alleged sighting of strange creatures in the backyard of a Northwest Valley home. So it was last night that 8 News Now investigator David Charns reported about how Metro Police responded back on May 1st after receiving a strange call from a very frightened family. Well, our report generated a global response and now piecing together the sequence of events has been kind of tricky in part because the primary witnesses have been almost as elusive as the beings they say they encountered. Chief Investigator George Knapp is as perplexed as the rest of us, George. As you know, this is not our first UFO rodeo. We first heard about the incident in early May via the Metro Police grapevine. The incident has a lot in common with other bizarre cases from around the world, an alleged crash, strange beings, and bits and pieces that don't make sense. But the police took this seriously, and so do we. Just before midnight on April 30th, sky watchers across several western states saw a bright fireball streak through the heavens. A police officer working in the Northwest Valley caught a glimpse of the colorful object on his body cam. At nearly the same time, a ring camera in the area recorded a strange noise and what sounds like a crash. 
One family living in a ranch-style home had a much closer view of the object. Two brothers and their father were working on a vehicle in their yard when they caught a glimpse of a sparkly object as it came crashing down, then were hit by what they describe as a shockwave. One of the witnesses, a young man named Angel, has stated when the brothers looked into the yard where the object landed, that spot was obscured and blurry, as if by unknown form of camouflage. What they saw next prompted a frantic call to 911. So there's two people or two subjects that are in your backyard? Correct, and they're very large. Can you hold please? They're like eight foot. <laughs> Nine feet, ten foot, I don't know. They're, they, look like, they look like aliens to us. Big eyes, they have like big eyes. Like, like I can't explain right. it. And big <laughs> mouth. They're shiny eyes and, and they're not human. They're 100% they're not human. Eight News Now investigators have spoken with family members multiple times in the past four weeks, but each of the three times we accepted their invitation to do an interview, they didn't answer the door or their phone. These are some of the claims they've made in other public forums. Multiple family members backed up the story in an initial police report we obtained. Angel says they heard the patter of multiple feet in the yard. They later heard footsteps on their roof. They saw one of the eight-foot-tall creatures climb behind the controls of a large front loader stored in the yard as if trying to engage it. He got a good look at one of the creatures, he said, a greenish grayish being with large eyes and long legs. He says he could hear its deep breaths, and when he locked eyes, he was, in essence, frozen in place, couldn't move. In the middle of the yard, where the object had crashed then vanished, a circular impression was left in the soil. Okay, where is this on your property? Metro sources say the police dispatcher initially wondered whether to send a crisis intervention team to help the troubled witness, but then took the incident seriously. Two officers arrived 30 38 minutes after the call, and by then it heard from other officers. They proceeded cautiously and managed some nervous laughs. I ain't dealing with that. <laughs> a few days later, the family says two Metro sergeants returned to the scene to ask follow-up questions. The family says they also saw men in suits and sunglasses driving in a car with government plates cruising slowly past the house in the following days. Nellis and Creech have denied any interest or involvement with the incident. Metro has indicated they believe the family that some Something crashed in their yard, but what? Someone else has access to it. You, know, you mentioned George in that piece that you know they were frozen because so many people have been critical of like why didn't get their phone out? Why didn't they shoot the video? Do we know if there's even any video of this incident? Uh, uh, yes and no. So there's a surveillance camera in the backyard. The property owner keeps that because he's like got a lot of expensive equipment there. What we were told is that at the moment this thing comes down and crash, this camera went out and it was out mm. for a couple of minutes. When it came back on, the object was gone, but the circle was there. We've been told by Angel in multiple phone conversations that he shot video of ah. the creatures we haven't seen it and we don't know anybody else who's seen it yet so maybe he'll release it at some point it's getting a lot of attention yeah, oh yeah all over <laughs> all yeah. right george thanks all right. all right it's the front end loader that tips me off to a new way to look at this go what if these beings are morons <laughs> Oh, like a 13-year-old that doesn't know how to drive a stick shift. The, the, assumption, yes. the assumption that we make is that these are advanced creatures. So, okay. so what the, if they're idiots? <laughs> they can defy known, at least on our planet, well, I can known, explain that. known I, physics. I can explain that. And travel from many galaxies away. What if they're just these klutzes 
that are the kids in high school that smoke uh, behind the okay. gym, <laughs> and and and, and they, their parents are always saying, "Don't go to Earth, don't fall off this planet." Just because so, they got these, okay. they got these. So, so, so these guys, they're just mischief makers, and you know, Fred and Leroy, they, let's take off, let's see what happens. Let's go. And see they them. go down there, they land in Vegas, they don't know what the hell to do. They're stumbling all around. They end up on the roof. They don't know what they're doing on the roof. They try to Scary, start. Get down. Get down. We got to get back. Right. We're in trouble. <laughs> so then they, they can't even start the front end loader. They don't know what the hell that is. They haven't seen a clutch in 10,000 years, according to Downing. They're, they're just perplexed. And so they got all these powers, but they don't know what the hell they mean. They could make themselves blurry and stuff. Wow. But they're idiots. They're just complete <laughs> morons. They don't know what to say. Hmm. They never say, take me to your leader. Right. The, they, they don't spend, know who a leader right. is. They leader spend is. all their time on their, I don't know, phones. Yes. They never go outside. <laughs> no. And Mom, and dad, they, Mom and dad go to a fondue party. Exactly. Tell the kids Don't to you tight. leave this planet. We'll be back by 8 o'clock tonight. You stay right here. And they're looking at each other thinking, let's, let's just see. Because they can what get to Earth saying? in about 30 seconds. What do they care? It's like Ferris Bueller's Day Off. Right, exactly. So now they show up and they're stumble bumps. They can't do a damn thing yeah. right. That might I never would have thought of that perspective. They never. were the Royce of Aliens. They, they can't got, fix anything. They got no max scale. Right, they got nothing. They're complete <laughs> idiots, and and they're uh, and they're embarrassed. What did are we you, doing uh, on the roof? We gotta get out of here. We gotta did, leave. Right. right. Did, did you, you leave get, it running? Did you get into the uh, the wife's gummies over the weekend? No. Uh, what, no. Uh, that's a really deep, funny, interesting thought. Well, it's it's uh, those. I, I've had three things that I've thought about all weekend. One. The water in the lake, I got that cleared up. Okay. Yeah. Two, what if aliens are dopes? Just these ones. Just dummies. Okay. We we why have why has it always been the assumption? Always that's always that been my assumption. Advanced? Yes. What if they're complete morons? Well, they were so dumb that they had they couldn't even get to Earth and and live. They're they're living it in Gorgland. Yeah. And they don't know what the hell they're <laughs> yeah, doing. Yeah. That yeah. could be that could be the new maybe that's my new perspective on aliens. The entire race of aliens aren't dumb, just the ones that find themselves in our orbit. <laughs> just, yeah, right? they've they've obviously disobeyed uh, disobeyed right. mom and right. and here they are and now uh, they you know they have the technological you know means to they're, zip around. They're like the people that go to Yellowstone and yes. pose with the bison. Exactly. They take <laughs> selfies with bull elks. <laughs> the aliens have lost their touch. Or what is it? They've lost their touch with Earth. With Earth. <laughs> Do you suppose that's what he was doing on the front end loader? Just <laughs> posing for a picture? Yeah, maybe his buddy, his, his brother, his brother Jim was trying to take a picture. Right. Can't wait to put this on Facebook. But everything Jimbo. got blurry. They ended up on the roof. Right. There's the pitter-patter of footsteps in the air. They're running around like they're chickens with their head cut off. What the Cow hell do tipping. we do here? This guy's sitting here working on his cars. we got to get out of here. We've the next thing spotted. you know, they're gone. Yep. They, they go. got home before Mom knew they were gone. Right. right. What did you guys do tonight? Nothing. We were we cool. We How was your night? Fine. Stayed right here, played video games. Gary was on the roof. Yeah. <laughs> Told you a thousand times, you stay off that roof. <laughs> When you go to Earth, don't go on people's roofs. Right. That's how you well, get spotted. That, okay, you want number three? Yeah. 
bring I'm not it. sure now. <laughs> Number three. Trifecta, what do you got? Okay, you got this, uh, this the communist push for snow shoveling in Minneapolis. Yeah. And it's 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 just a stupid idea, and it needs to be called out for what it is. It's just a stupid idea, but and we already looked at the extraordinary expense to even initiate it. What's going to happen the first time one of these seasonal workers slips on the ice and breaks his shoulder? Oh God! He's going to sue the city for ten million dollars, and then how long is it going to take for his buddies to get the same idea? They'll end up bankrupting the city either way. They'll sue the city for their injuries because they're klutzes. They're like aliens. They don't know how to shovel. The people they're going to hire, there's going to be seasonal workers. They don't want to be out there. They're going to slip on the ice and break them, break a bone or, you know, get a concussion or something. The word's going to get out. Suing the city. The word's going to get out. Sue the city. Mm. Well, in the city, you said bankruptcy. They already don't have any money. No. They're already out of the money that they were given. A Min Post has some sort of story about uh, Minneapolis is, is uh, considering the idea of snow ambassadors. Uh, <laughs> Come on! And I tried to get the story from Min Post, but it said this story is not free. So I said, "Well, go bleep yourself." I didn't print it out, so I don't know what that means. But they're considering snow ambassadors. But here's another sad note. Sounds like a good gig. Another sad note. Uh, <laughs> There's nowhere the buck stops. Right. We're, we're, I mean, you can count on Fry, but I don't know if his veto powers would even succeed over that kind of city council vote. But there's no one to say, this is really a stupid idea. Mm. It's too expensive. It doesn't make sense. Shovel your own damn sidewalk. I'm afraid you're very, uh, very close to what's about to happen. People are going to figure that it's out. A festival and it's- of lawsuits. Mm. The, uh, I did find that story, Joe, so yeah. I will open it. Yeah. It's a, it would be a two-year pilot city staff. Uh-huh. They'd have a, a pair of snow ambassadors who would walk around. I wonder if they have uniforms. They'd patrol about 20 miles of Minneapolis's busiest pedestrian paths, clearing unshoveled sidewalks and handing out warnings if you weren't compliant during your first offense. So this still has the homeowner trying to do it. Okay, that's good. Yeah, the it's second trigger, the second warning would trigger the usual punishment. The city would hire a contractor to clear the sidewalk, then bill the property owner for it. So in this scenario, anyway, we we still have to do our own. Which would what be, what uh, role did the ambassadors play? Uh, that that's it. They just walk around according and to do this. what? But just monitor. Say how you doing? Well, yeah. they're not going to walk. We know that they're going to be in a They'll city be some sort of vehicle, a, a yeah. gas guzzling, spewing SUV. So, how is this any different from what we already have? That, isn't that what we have exactly? Yeah, yeah. yeah a two-year true. snow ambassador pilot program would cost almost five hundred thousand dollars because you got to pay the ambassadors. <laughs> I'm wow. seeing King Boreas and. Uh, What's the queen of the snows? Yep. They got the capes Scepter, on, the hat, queen the... hat, you know, they got the thing, <laughs> the oh. crown. <laughs> Hi, we're snow ambassadors, and we're here to help right. you. Ooh, close Here's your citation. 250 grand a year. Here's your citation. Uh, my new garage door guy is a Minnesota family-owned business, Precision Garage Door of the Twin Cities. You want to get your garage door looked at before something happens, because... Nine out of ten times, you aren't going to be able to fix it. And B, maybe the door's even too heavy to open by yourself. 
I know it is for me. I need help to open that damn door, and those garage doors can break at any time. My guys at Precision Garage Door, the Twin Cities, they're available 24-7. They don't charge more for weekends, and they get it fixed the first time. And if you're looking to up your curb appeal, and it's about time for a new garage door, Precision Garage Door of the Twin Cities takes care of everything. The door, the rollers, the springs, your remote, they'll hook it up to your phone if that's capable. They take care of everything. They do it the first time, and they do it correctly because they're busy. They don't want to come back time after time after time. They fix what needs to be fixed. Make sure you let them know you appreciate the fact that they're a GL-owned business. They fix garage doors correctly. Get help online immediately. Right now. Now? At PrecisionDoorMN.com. All right, guys, we're into June. Are you feeling like it's harder to get in shape and stay in shape? Well, guess what? Our sponsor, Nugenics Total Tea, is offering a complimentary bottle when you text 231-231 and enter the keyword garage. Hey, I get it. It's not your fault. As we all age, our body naturally loses free testosterone, the man hormone. It happens to all of us, and it can make it more difficult to stay in shape and be energetic. So if you want more energy to counter the negative physical effects of aging, well, Nugenics Total Tea Testosterone Booster with Testafin is going to help you turn back the clock. Re-energize your workouts and get you better results at the gym and help you look and feel like the man that you really want to be. Nugenics Total Tea is the number one selling testosterone booster at GNC. And while every product professes quality, many other products are going to just use generic ingredients that are often far less than clinical grade. With Nugenics Total Tea, you get the same clinical potency levels used in the trials. And Nugenics' formulation is backed by 10 years of science and research. So get your complimentary bottle of Nugenics Total Tea when you text 231 231 and enter the keyword garage. Hey, text right now and get a bottle of Nugenics Thermal, their most powerful fat incinerator ever, with key ingredients to help you get back into shape fast, absolutely free. Text 231231 and enter the keyword garage. That's 231231 and enter the keyword garage. Texting enrolls you into recurring automated text messages. Consent not required to purchase. Message and data rates may apply. Here's a man who spends hours in hardware stores, sifting through the nuts and bolts of life. Joe Souchere. June is safety month for Liberty Safe and Maple Grove Lock and Safe. I think that just means keep the goods locked up, keep them safe. Uh, I think what it also means is big savings. If you go to maplegrovelockandsafe.com, you'll be able to link up to the Liberty website and you'll discover once you get there that online orders 10% off everything. Meanwhile, meanwhile, back at the store, Maple Grove Lock and Safe, by the way, 6901 East Fish Lake Road, uh, we have progressive savings, that kind of sale going on all month long. The more you spend, the more you save in the form of instant and mail-in rebates starting right around here. You spend 1900 uh, 1000 excuse me, 1099 I've learned that my math in some of these ads highly questionable. <laughs> Do we need to have a disclaimer at the end? <laughs> I, I think... The results tabulated by Kenny I, in this ad may not be accurate. Such and I are probably on the same math level. Um, <laughs> so just kind of hang with me here. Um, you spend 1099 you save 100 and then the savings go all the way up to spend 8500 or more 
and you save 700 bucks. Liberty Safe, it's made right here in the United States by Americans using materials procured in the United States. They all have lifetime transferable warranties, and it's a nice deal from Liberty Safe and Maple Grove Lock and Safe. And when you stop in and meet Rich, make sure you ask him about delivery. Uh, delivery? <laughs> set up. Liberty. DA. Liberty. Liberty Safe. Oh, Maple Grove Lock and Safe. Dot com. The end. <laughs> we have a. <laughs> you brought me the stapler and I forgot to. There you go. Uh, we have a note from Kelly who said, please, please, please support the Minneapolis snow plowing, snow shoveling. Otherwise, if it doesn't pass, we'll be missing some of the most enjoyable, laughable events in our later years. We know what's going to happen when Mother Nature unleashes her fury and the Minneapolis shoveling team takes action. The uh, customer service line will be overloaded, just like the money needed to fund this hilarious debacle. Please allow us taxpayers to enjoy this ride and see how those that suppose this will end defend their positions. Well, there is that. Yeah, I can guarantee you former residents of Minneapolis are loving this. Oh, my God. This is awesome. <laughs> there was a neat uh, saying by uh, George Orwell in today's Star Tribune. The best argument against socialism are its adherence. Are its adherence. The best say that argument again? against socialism is Asia Chaguti. Yep. Who wants to? You know, I mean, she's not with it, right? You know. Uh, and then we also know. Did you guys read the front page of the Star Tribune Sunday when we learned just how many new employees the state has to hire? Mm-hmm. Good Lord. Uh, they've ruined things, man. They've just, they need to hire thousands of people. It's unbelievable. In a tight labor market. Yeah. Yeah, you're not kidding. Where people don't want to work. They need 400 new employees for the family leave program. It takes a lot of people to spend that 17 bill. Right. <laughs> Ghoulish house speaker. This is from John. Ghoulish house speaker Melissa Hortman says abortion is a way to entice workers to move to Minnesota. Is Hortman actually stupid enough to think women coming from out of state for abortions would come in mass and then move here and ease her worker shortage? Can I answer that for you? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> any woman coming from out of state for an abortion, they're here for one or two days and then leave. Anything for Hortman to wave her abortion flag. But I suppose we could run TV ads and billboards promoting yeah. Minnesota is the land of 10,000 abortions. But would you then please stay around and get a job? Uh, okay, some commentators on the article and others have said that migrants are the answer to our worker shortage woes. Yeah, the ones who want to work can certainly find work, but they are still a big drain on the system. They don't speak English and are uneducated. They cost the government more money and a need for even more government employees to cover their cases, medical care, and more. Most migrants are a generation away from offering skilled labor, and those are just the ones who have a desire for their families to assimilate into the American way of life. Well, the state opened up a Pandora's box with that most irresponsible legislative session in the history of the state. And among the, uh, among the items that will help to uh, completely uh, for, uh, foreclose the entire state will be this need to expand the size of government from, an, uh, from a labor pool that is, is not very active right now. And just the 400 alone needed for the uh, Department of I've Family got, Leave. Got a great idea. Yeah. Hire 
the illegal immigrants, pay them cash, keep it off the books. Boom, problem solved. Uh, yeah, keeping them off the books is the key part. Go down to the uh, local Home Depot Menards at opening time where they hang out looking for daily work. Pick up a truckload, bring them back, put them to work for the day. What are the, what are the 200 people that are going to be the dope police? What are they going to be? Dope <laughs> police. God. Yeah, you're going to need I, new dope cops. Yeah, oh, 200. God. You're right out of the 50s, Matthew. Mm -hmm. I ain't touching that reefer. <laughs> Kelsey notes, what is more symbolic of what is happening in San Francisco than the Millennium Tower's tilt? Is getting worse. Mm -hmm. Remember the big expensive mm -hmm. condo that yep. <clears throat> right. yep. some yep. woman on the upper floors was putting one day and realized that the ball just kept running <laughs> to the other side of the room and thought, "What the hell's going on here?" <laughs> and they measured, and sure enough, she's going over like the Leaning Tower of Pisa. And I believe those are cheap. Oh boy, this is going to be. <laughs> the engineers are trying to reverse this, but I don't know how they're going to. They it's, can't. It's, it's just. Uh, it's just, just put a, up a big stick, a big. Well, we can't really laugh though, can we? Because didn't we? Aren't we taking down a condo basically because of the Southwest Light Rail Line in Eden Prairie? That's not going well. Hey, can we go back to what Matt said? I, I think I was wrong to jump on you, uh, Matthew. What do you got? We already have issues with the gummies and the um, the percentage of THC in the gum gummies being um, it's supposed to be under five percent, if I remember right. And I'm hearing reports from a lot of people that you can buy them in certain places over the counter with like 15 or 20 percent THC. Yikes. So, yeah, I guess we need more dope police. Yeah, we need some dope cops. <laughs> what do you do? I'm a dope cop from the state of Minnesota. I, I don't have any uh, horse in that race. I'm just mm. totally uninterested in the whole thing. What if I, your dope I, was I think it was fire. a mistake, but I, you know, I didn't get anywhere with that. So, I have a ray of hope from Steve Wilson up Aiken Way. Okay. I was driving down a ditch bank road up in Aiken, east of the Farm Island store. Sounds like a right, country song, doesn't it? I know right where that is on 169. And saw a young guy, a young boy on an old bike with a banana seat with a fishing rod on the right handlebar and about a four-pound largemouth bass hanging from the left handlebar on a stringer. He could hardly drive down the road because the bass was so heavy. When I pulled up next to him, he had a smile as wide as the right-of-way. Pretty cool. On a separate note, I had the good fortune of meeting a gentleman from Alexandria named Dwayne this weekend. He was buying a boat from us, and I asked him if he heard of a guy named Kenny Olson. He said, yeah, I listened to that podcast, and I know him. We both agreed that Kenny seems like a peckerhead, but we'd like to hang out and have a beer with him sometimes, pushing back from the shores of Farm Island. So Kenny's got really got some fans, some strong fans yeah, that's, in, the, in the wooded areas of the state. One of my most favorite insults of all time, you redneck pecker. Yeah, wood. yeah. I love that. You got some fans, baby. I'm honored to be referred to. I got a, I got a ray of hope for you, which was sent to me at the end of last week. Yeah. Uh, Mike, uh, who's a huge fan of the show, texted me a picture of two girls at a lemonade stand on, it looks like in St. Paul, on Randolph and Mount Curve. 
And he said, I was minding my own business. These little girls running a lemonade stand near where I'm working. I was just about to go buy a glass of lemonade when one with the walked over with a freebie and said, we saw that you're working so hard and also thought you could use some lemonade. So they comped him on a glass of lemonade. Isn't that fantastic, Matt? Well, it just shows you that we're not all, you know, it's not over yet. Wow. Not so over what yet. does the guy do then? Because I know it was served up in a Dixie cup, right? Not nearly enough. What One is cube a, of ice. Yeah. yeah. What does the guy yeah. do when he needs a lot more? Steals it from the kids. Yeah, and he throw, throw to, down the five. And, yeah. Right. Say, I'm going to clean you out here. Let's go. Yeah. May I, may I get something brief uh, off my mind about the climate? Oh, okay. Uh, the media, meaning the traditional news gathering institutions, most principally the uh, the network news shows, uh, which and my life would be better served if I did not watch them. But given this peculiar living we make, I feel I have to. Yeah, you owe it. To I owe feel it. I owe it to you. Uh, they keep calling these forest fires in Canada climate change. Well, that's disingenuous. No, they're forest fires. Right. They're, they're not climate change. Mm -hmm. They're forest fires. Right. Well, that's all I have to say. Well, I and mean, weren't we also uh, looking into whether they were set intentionally? Yes, there's been many reports of arson. But here's the deal. If you have a bonfire in your backyard. Which you I, love. I did I don't. this week. I, I did don't. yesterday. All day. Burning everything. I don't. Tires. Yep. Still. They smell bad. Yeah. yeah. Shingles. <laughs> that isn't committing an act of climate change. You're just merely having a fire. That has nothing to do with climate change. Hmm. And all of these frauds who get paid millions and millions of dollars to be the anchor people and the anchorettes, they're, they're either really stupid or they just don't mind lying. They just don't mind lying. What if they truly believe it then? They, well, that's part of the template uh, that they must adhere to. Because they're uh, they're in the they've been recruited to bring about this template of climate change, and so now they look at the forest fires and say, "That's climate change." Well, no, no, that's a forest fire. Is it right? It's just I've come, grass that's on fire. I've come to believe their purpose in life is to divide us, to keep us at each other. Yeah. In Alberta, John Cook was arrested and charged with 10 counts of arson after setting a string of wildfires in and around Cold Lake near Edmonton. In addition to damaging vehicles and structures, Cook was charged with setting aflame the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints in Cherry Grove, Alberta. A Vancouver man is charged with arson has been released until his trial October 9. Uh, with Corporal Michael Gauthier asserting that he is not a risk to light further fires. This incident was not random in nature, and we do not believe there is risk to other members of the public or businesses from the individual who was arrested. Several arsonists have been arrested in the past weeks in different provinces for lighting forest fires. People's Party of Canada leader Maxime Brunier tweeted, but the lying woke media and politicians keep repeating that global warming is the cause. Hmm. Several arsonists have been arrested. Uh, and she, oh, that was her tweet. The uh, severe nature of the wildfires has caused Canadians to wonder why they have spread so rapidly, especially as many of the affected areas are not typically impacted by wildfires of this degree at this time of year. In the past months, Royal Canadian Mounted Police have arrested several arsonists who have been charged with lighting fires across several provinces, including Nova Scotia, Yukon, British Columbia, and Alberta. The motive is unclear. Hmm. 
Uh, so you can't believe everything you hear on the old news. Right. But the one thing you can believe or tell yourself is, don't no, wait a minute, they're telling me these forest fires is climate change. No, they're they're forest fires. Right. There's a there's a big uh, there's a big difference. Do you, would you like to hear from Mr. John Height? I, nah. <laughs> I see, let's yeah. let's let the GLers vote. <laughs> hey, I got a lot of fans. Bro. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. <laughs> Canada has its own problems with its green movement. Uh, in fact, it might be a, as serious as our problem as they pretend to believe the world's in trouble from man. Well, the guy in charge is insane. He is. Uh, he's not a smart guy. He's a uh, Justin is a uh, fool for the movement, and uh, they all have control in mind. There's just no other way to look at it. Uh, let's take a time out and return with John. Hunt. But I'd like to remind you, Joe, and the GLers, there is no shortage of banking options here in the Twin Cities. And if you're tired of being just a number to your big national bank, then please be sure to check out my friends at North American Banking Company. They've been at it for over 25 years, and they now have six locations to serve you. Roseville is my location, but you can also check them out at 50th in France, Hastings, Woodbury, Shoreview, and their brand new location over there in Maple Grove. They offer the same online and mobile banking options as the other big banks, but with the service and friendliness of a community bank. North American Banking Company is locally owned and operated, which means loan decisions are made right here in the Twin Cities. They are not shipped out of state, and this helps business owners solve problems and expand their business with confidence. North American Banking Company deals with numbers every day, but you are never one of them. So check them out. Uh, please stop into one of their locations and let them know that you heard about them here on the Garage Logic Podcast. And remember, North American Banking Company, member FDIC, is an equal housing lender. You know, is the season right now. It is definitely the season of saving money. You know what? Budgets are, budgets are tight. Budgets are very tight, you know. So you want to make sure that your home is extremely efficient, energy-wise anyway. And that's where you go to welterheating.com. Ray and Welter Heating, Air Conditioning, Air Purification Systems. Locally, been here 100 years, four generations. They are the real deal. They don't have a fancy jingle. They don't have funny trucks. What they do is the meat and potatoes of air conditioning, heating units, etc. And online for free, they have a little blog, 12 Ways to Make Your Home More Energy Efficient. That means saving money. Rick puts these up there. I'm not going to read all 12 of them. You can go ahead and on their website and look for yourself. But that's exactly what you're going to get with Welter Heating and Air Conditioning. They're got wonderful answers. They're going to be up front. You can call them and somebody will answer the phone. That's 612-825-6867. You know, air conditioning unit can be pretty intimidating, especially with today. They're very complex. So don't leave it to anybody else but Welter to help fix it or help maybe give it a tune-up, whatever the case may be. Online at welterheating.com or pick up the phone. Dial 612-825-6867. Air condition your shelter with Ray and Welter. Truth, justice, and the suture. Ain't no big deal. Bugs on the windshield, the grill, the bumpers, that's nothing. 
with the amazing Bugs Be Gone solution from our pals at Seafoam. Uh, Bugs Be Gone easily solves that hassle of scrubbing bugs off your windshield and front bumper. You spray it on, it breaks up the sticky bond of bugs slash crud with the vehicle surface. And then you just wash it away with water. It's that easy. Bugs be gone. It's safe for all finishes. Non-toxic. It's a water-based formula. And it leaves no film or haze when it dries. Just a happy service surface with uh, nary a bug in sight. And we can use it on any kind of, actually, any kind of stubborn organic crud. A lot of people, they'll try it on the car or the truck and then find all sorts of other uses for it. Campers, uh, motorcycles, boats, anything organic, you just spray it on, wash it off, and the bugs be gone. I don't have to rub? You don't have to rub. Spray it on, spray it off. I'm getting some. Happy surface. Just yeah. another uh, wonderful product from our friends at Seafoam. Here's John Height. Thank you, Joe. Law enforcement say they've arrested a suspect that they were looking for after a drive-by shooting that left one man dead and two others injured Friday night in Austin, Minnesota. 23-year-old Manamani Abella was taken into custody, according to the BCA. Authorities say they also found a white 2015 Dodge Durango that was believed to have been used in the drive-by shooting. They had put out an APB for that vehicle. Police had already arrested 28-year-old Cham Oman, who was believed to have driven the Durango at the time of the shooting. Police still looking for more information on the shooting. They're asking anyone who has information to call the Austin Police Department. Wow. Austin isn't what it used to be, is it? It sure isn't, no. Joe. Drive-by shooting in Austin. Good Lord. They've had some problems in that city last huh. Yeah. One person died Sunday after a pre-dawn shooting at a restaurant and bar in Brooklyn Park, according to police. Uh, one person was shot, the victim, uh, shortly after 4 a.m. at Flava of Seoul, just off North 85th Street and west of Highway 252 in the 8500 block of Edinburgh Center Drive. F-L-A-V-A? F-L-A-V-A, that's correct. Flava yes. of Seoul. The victim died at a hospital. A second person was shot at but was not hurt. The suspects fled before officers got there. No arrests have been announced as of this morning. The shooting occurred outside the establishment, and police inspector Elliot Faust said they are looking into whether or not it was an after-hours gathering since it started, uh, since the shooting, excuse me, happened at 4 a.m. Minneapolis police say they responded to multiple calls of rowdy crowds and reports of property damage in Dinkytown this weekend. A viewer living in the college neighborhood near the University of Minnesota sent fireworks to our TV affiliate. Five sent fireworks, sent video of fireworks to our uh, affiliate, television affiliate, Five Eyewitness News. Police say a 17-year-old boy was hurt when a firework exploded in his hand. He was taken to the hospital, non-life-threatening injuries. Uh, this all happened right after the University of Minnesota announced a new initiative called Dinky Town Safe Streets. Over the next few weekends, police say they'll have ramped up patrols in the area. They did respond to a large fight this past weekend and an armed robbery about a block from where the fireworks were set off Saturday. Residents in the area say the lawlessness is being caused mainly by juveniles anywhere ages from 11 to 17 years old. Ramp them up. Trim them up, baby. Ramp it up. A new Associated Press investigation into how COVID money was dispensed won't surprise a lot of people here in Minnesota, perhaps, but the numbers are staggering. Mm -hmm. Fraudsters use the Social Security numbers of dead people and federal prisoners to get unemployment checks. Cheaters collected those benefits in multiple states, and federal loan applicants weren't cross-checked against a Treasury Department database that would have raised red flags about sketchy borrowers. Criminals and gangs grabbed the money 
but so did a U.S. soldier in Georgia, pastors of a defunct church in Texas, a former state lawmaker in Missouri, and a roofing contractor in Montana, among, among hundreds of others. All of it led to the greatest grift in U.S. history, with thieves plundering billions of dollars in federal COVID-19 relief. The Associated Press analysis found that fraudsters potentially stole more than 280 billion dollars in COVID-19 relief funding. Holy Another, crap. Uh-huh. You got to throw the food fraud in there. It was a great time. Well, that's a drop in the bucket from the, what did you say? 500 and what now? 280 billion. Oh my God. Another 123 billion was wasted or misspent. So all combined, that loss represents about 10% of the $4.2 trillion the U.S. government has so far dispersed in COVID relief aid. I that guarantee you, is, I guarantee you, I've told you before, I guarantee you, if we would have written a letter <laughs> to the government, uh-huh. the town of Garage Logic, we would have gotten a check. Yep. The number is expected to grow a bit, too, as investigators continue to dig deeper into thousands of potential schemes. How did all this happen? Well, investigators and outside experts say the government, in seeking to quickly spend trillions in relief aid, conducted too little oversight during the pandemic's early stages and instituted too few restrictions on applicants. In short, they say it was just too easy. Most of the looted money was swiped from three large pandemic relief initiatives launched during the Trump administration and then followed up by President Joe Biden. Those programs were designed to help small businesses and unemployed workers survive the economic upheaval that was caused by the pandemic. So is each and every loan being looked at right now? Because I'm wondering if there's people that got away with it and that will never be found out. The answer to that is yes. Yeah, you would assume that. They say they're still investigating other schemes, but yeah, you're. I mean, like Joe said, you know some are going to slip. The, uh, the We brought up the Fairbowl couple on Friday's show. Yeah. That got away with, I think it was just over five, five million. Five mil, they were feeding a lot of kids. But they also repaid it back. Uh, was it rest, whatever it was called? It's called restitution. Restitution. Chris. So anyway, the, I know somebody who called me who has an intimate knowledge of this particular case that said, "I guarantee you, they paid it back right away because they got away with a lot more." Mm-hmm. That's probably a good way to look at it. Yeah, they could afford it. Such, what would our grift be? What would we tell them in order to get that money? I would have told them the town fire truck is on the fritz, and uh, our public works department is short of. Uh, uh, employees because of the uh, illness. And, and we're feeding we, a lot of kids. And uh, we need we need help here of the worst kind. We're, <laughs> we're struggling and uh, we need about $5 million and they would have sent a check because these idiots don't check. In the <laughs> mythical town yeah. of Garage yeah. Logic, which exists nowhere on the map. Seat of Gumption County and then I put a, a stamp on it. In uh, your address in yeah. St. Paul. Yeah, and they would have sent a check. Now, I, what I would have done with it is conduct a news conference and say, look what I just did. And I'd probably still get in trouble. Right. Right. It would be, yeah. The onus yeah. would be on you. Yeah, yeah certainly. But I guarantee uh, you we uh, could have done it. Why don't we take a quick break here and come back with some more news? Not a 
Garage Logic Town Council member. Here's what you're missing. Pay attention to the bleeping show. I, Joe, I'm looking at my computer to set up the broadcast. Right, you're looking at Sarah's tweets. Because it was funny. Who wrote Sarah's smile? That would be Hall and Oates. Which one, though? Did they write a lot of their stuff? Yeah. Who wrote it, though? Rally Hall. More of an Oates guy. What about, do you rate adult education high up there in the Hall I don't know what you're talking about. It's not a bad song. I, I like it. The song was written by Daryl Hall and John Oates. Yeah, it was about Hall's girlfriend. Sarah, Sarah. Smile? That was her last name was Smile. Wow, that's I, weird. I don't, yeah. I don't think it was. It's so kind of, weird that that would be your last name, and then they made a song Yeah, it. Sarah Smile. What a coincidence. <laughs> one, two, three, Main Street. Yeah. Joe, you're, you're kind of crabby for a Friday before a yeah. holiday. Come I'm on. crabby. Come on. I'm not, I'm not crabby. Don't tell me I'm crabby. Don't tell me I'm crabby. Go behind the scenes of Garage Logic with unfiltered audio and video access, invites to exclusive events, an emailed newsletter from the mayor himself, and more by signing up at garagelogic.com. Well? It's the end of the world as we know it, and he feels fine. Joe Souchere. Moon Motorsports, well-known to have the most exciting showroom in the region. We all know it. And, boy, if you haven't been there, you really got to get there. They have 11 major brands on hand and the service and parts departments that will help you get the most out of whatever your machine may be. And when you do stop by Moon Motorsports, you're going to find a great lineup of off-road machines and a great lineup of Fox gear to go with them. Moon has all the newest Fox gear in stock right now. Moon has a wonderful website, moonmotorsports.com, and one of the first things you'll notice if you go there is a big banner ad for an upcoming Kids' Day event featuring the popular Wheelie Wizard stunt team, and they have plenty of games and styles and savings for the family. That's on June 17th. They're right there in Monticello, 20 minutes from the metro, south side of 94, west of 25. They are Moon Motorsports, our ATV side-by-side and adventure motorcycle brand leaders, moonmotorsports.com. Uh, drivers in Philadelphia, they're going to have some problems. Oh. Uh, they, they began longer commutes today after an elevated section of Interstate 95 mm. collapsed yesterday after damage caused by a tanker truck that was carrying flammable cargo catching fire. The problem is uh, this is a, a main thoroughfare used by commuters all day long. The fire closed the heavily traveled segment of the East Coast Main North-South Highway indefinitely. Newscast warning of traffic nightmares gave advice on detours, urging drivers to take more time and travel. AAA spokesperson Jenna Tidwell said today this is really going to have a ripple effect throughout the region. Tidwell also anticipated that drivers will incur additional costs, more wear and tear, more gasoline costs, and additional tolls because they'll have to leave Pennsylvania, go into New Jersey, Pennsylvania, to get to where they're going. Gotta make a move. It's a make a move for the what? entire East Coast. Wow. What is that going to do to the environment? Who cares? The, the Southeastern Pennsylvania Transportation Authority said it was operating morning and late afternoon trains on its Trenton, New Jersey adding capacity. Why is John fading like I, that? I don't know. Well, are you, can you huh? do anything about it? Huh? What? Your, your voice drops out occasionally. Adding capacity to regularly scheduled lines during peak hours to help support the city and the region's travel needs after the collapse. Transportation officials warned of extensive delays and street closures and urged drivers to avoid the area in Philadelphia's northeast corner. Rook, look at this jersey. Is that female? <laughs> what? what? Is this for women? 
It's got these thumbs in it, I just noticed. Oh, my God. It's those things. What side that of the button is on? It's a no, zipper. it's a zipper. That's like No, it's for very woke. Very it's like woke people. Girl's yeah. shirt. Yeah, I think it's a girl's thing. Girl, no, it's not a girl's thing, but just has that. No, that... that because Jess has about a hundred of those. Thumb, it's got the thumb holes. Put, people, put your thumb through there. Let's see it. When she goes for her runs, she wears shirts like that so she can. Well, that's that's yeah, but you all the way. Dudes don't. Yeah, well, there's yeah, there's. I have a sweatshirt like that. It's well, of course a, you do, but the yeah, rest I of do too. Males. I've got ones with the thumb things. Well, I know yeah. you would, and they're male. They're not. That's not a female I don't think cut. This is a male. Thing. Wow. That's not a female wow. cut. Well, wow. it's your newspaper. You obviously received it from them. I, I, I don't even know when that would have been. Where did you pick it up? I don't know. Well, the fact that he called it a jersey, it's a pullover. <clears throat> yeah, it's Quar- a no. pullover. But... Quarter zip. Quarter zip. Wow. I see quarter how he zip. is woke. I'm a big fan of the quarter zip style. I like quarter zips. Okay, I'm going to look it up. I remember the time I had my pullover on and I had my thumbs through him, through the thing. And we yes. were here at the show, and I was specifically putting my hands up like, we've got to do something about this. And I remember your reaction was quite um, <laughs> direct. Your reaction was very direct. Oh, Ted you, Kaczynski. Wait, I'm sorry, John. You've got to put your thumb things in there for one sports talk. And what? don't say anything for voice. He, he won't notice. What's uh, Hey, what's with your hand? What, what's going on? <laughs> he, Joe, never, Joe never talks with his hands or anything, though. He always has his hands hidden. That's so, for Pat, though, I could bring him up. You could Take that thing off and this. throw it away. It's, That's a chick shirt. I think it's a chick shirt. Oh, it is. Oh, okay, mister, I've worn the same dicky for the last three months. Hey, now. Dicky? Well, that's awfully If mean. Kenny had any confusion about it, he'd just cut the sleeves off. <laughs> right. <laughs> right, midway. <laughs> Ted Kaczynski, the convicted terrorist known as the Unabomber, died by what authorities are saying was a possible suicide in his prison cell early Saturday. Kaczynski found unresponsive in his cell about 12.30 a.m. Eastern time, transported to a local hospital where he was pronounced dead. Kaczynski, who went nearly 20 years without being captured until his arrest in 1996, was considered America's most prolific bomber. Between 1978 and 1995, he placed or mailed 16 bombs that killed three people and injured two dozen others. In 1995, before he was identified as the Unabomber, he demanded newspapers publish a long manuscript he had written, saying if they didn't, he would continue killing. Both the New York Times and Washington Post published the 35,000-word manifesto later that year at the recommendation of the U.S. Attorney General and the director of the FBI. It was the suspicions of his sister-in-law and his brother that he was arrested. Kaczynski's sister-in-law, Linda Patrick, was one of the first to identify him as the Unabomber after reading his writings. One of the most interesting guys we ever talked to in the history of Garage Logic was a, was a Yale rook. Uh, Harvard, I believe. Well, it was a Yale or Harvard professor named David Galertner, who had been bombed by the Unabomber. Oh, wow. Had a package sent to him, which he opened and, and got injured. And it turned into uh, one of the great conversations of all time, and it really enlightened us on what I can only call the formative days of the mystery, right? You are correct. It was Yale. He's a professor yeah. of computer science at Yale. And uh, the guy was fascinating. And, and a fact he nailed, and he was nailing it uh, ahead of the curve, because we certainly see it now, but he was saying it that episode in his life, getting injured by the guy, uh, turned him around, made him realize what was taking place in the country. And that is that 
the uh, academics. He basically what he was talking about is that he was he had been living life on a third rail. He didn't call it that, sure, but that's what he was uh, identifying was that it used to be that a, a professor at Yale lived in your neighborhood and his kids played t-ball with your kids and you went to the same church and you went to the same grocery store and the same gas station. And as as time has passed, the the academics, and you can, you can extrapolate this to make it city council members, uh, politicians, uh, high-ranking corporate execs, as time passed, those people began to separate themselves from the rest of the country. And you no longer saw your college professor at your grocery store or your gas station or whatever because they were living with their own kind in various enclaves or various neighborhoods, in, in his case of you know New Haven, Connecticut. And uh, I, it was a real eye-opening conversation we had with him because he wrote a book, Rook. Uh, Drawing Life, Surviving the Unabomber. Right. Uh, 1997, two years after the bombing, the Unabomber sent Gelertner a letter writing, people with advanced degrees aren't as smart as they think they are. Mm -hmm. I would warn you against falling into the fallacy of extrapolation. Yeah, you know, huh? <laughs> yeah, he, he does, he's been waiting yep. so long he did to back. use the <laughs> word extrapolation. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Here, look. Yep, the fallacy of extrapolation. He had to write it down. I had to, like, I had to write my red paint joke down, yes. Take, but that, in all, take that toilet sign down. I'm tired of guests wondering what that means. In all seriousness. No, not down lower, down slower. away. Throw it away. Like down. Throw it away. Throw it. The manifesto that they printed in 95 that was reprinted in a lot of places over the weekend. Uh, I tried, oh, that's full frontal nudity. Whoa. Um, what was I saying? Um, I tried reading it over the weekend. Uh, Joe, I didn't make it more than two paragraphs in. It is just a lot of crazy rambling. Do you remember? It's like, what did you say, John? 3,500 words? 35,000 oh, 35, words. Yeah, yeah. It is long. I never, I never bothered to try to read it. No. Yeah, it, it's a hard read. Silvio Berlusconi, the billionaire media mogul who is Italy's longest-serving premier despite scandals over his sex-fueled parties and allegations of corruption, died on Monday. He was 86 years old. A one-time cruise ship crooner, Berlusconi used his television networks and immense wealth to launch his long political career, inspiring both loyalty and loathing. To admirers, the three-time premier was a capable and charismatic statesman who sought to elevate Italy on the world stage. To critics, he was a populist who threatened to undermine democracy by wielding political power as a tool to enrich himself and his businesses. His Forza Italiana political party was a coalition partner with current Premier Giorgio Maloney, a far-right leader who came to power last year, although he held no position in the government. His friendship with Russian President Vladimir Putin put him at odds with Maloney, who's a staunch supporter of Ukraine. On his 86th birthday, while the war raged, Putin sent Berlusconi best wishes and a bottle of vodka. And the Italian boasted he returned the favor by sending back Italian wine. As Berlusconi aged, some derided his perpetual tan, hair transplants, and live-in girlfriends who were decades younger than he was. Criminal cases were launched but ended in dismissals when statutes of limitations ran out in Italy's slow-moving justice systems. Only one led to a conviction that stuck, a tax fraud case stemming from a sale of movie rights in his 
business empire. He was also known for his steamy so-called parties. We talked about this when this first came out. I don't they recall called, us talking about this, John. Why were they oh, called yeah. bunga bunga parties? Bunga bunga parties. Yeah, that's what they were called. Hmm. Yeah. But Why first, were they called bunga bunga bunga? Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Was there a buffet? Possibly. God, but what, so what was the nature of those parties, I wonder? Well, sex parties, Joe. You call them a fondue uh, party, you know. Yeah. Fondue. Fondue. So what, does the the party? Party? what does the booga booga part mean? Well, First, Joe, booga booga. When, uh, when a man loves a woman that's not his well, wife. Not necessarily <laughs> loves, but, you know. Yeah. yeah. All right. He had them. You get them. You yeah, got them. Uh, I meant to bring this up earlier, but the Babylon Bee is reporting that invitations to the Unabomber's funeral have been mailed out, but no one wants to open them. That is hilarious. Are they going under? Is, is Bob going I under? like the Babylon Bee. I don't know what's wrong with you guys. Wow. Yeah. No. That's I don't trust if I would have said the onion, you guys would have laughed. No. no they have that I don't think so, Chris. Before indigenous, <laughs> four indigenous children who survived 40 days in the Amazon jungle after their plane crashed have shared some more details of their ordeal with the family, including the news that mom also survived the crash, but only for four days before she died. The kids, aged 13, 9, and 4 years and 11 months, are expected to remain for at least two weeks in the hospital getting treatment after their rescue Friday, but some are already speaking and wanting to do more than lying in bed, according to family members. Manuel Renoque, father of the two youngest children, told reporters outside the hospital that the oldest of the four told him their mother was alive for four days after the plane crashed on May 1st in the Colombian jungle. Renoque said before she died, the mother likely would have told them to go away, apparently asking them to leave the wreckage site to try and survive. Fidencio Valencia, the child's uncle, told media outlet Natosias Carasol the children were starting to talk and one of them said they hid in tree trunks to protect themselves in a jungle area filled with snakes, animals, and mosquitoes. Would not have done well. He said the children were exhausted. The children were traveling with their mother from the Amazonian village of Araracura to San Jose del Guavoe. When the plane went down, the Cessna, Cessna single-engine propeller plane was carrying three adults and the four kids when the pilot declared an emergency shortly after that due to engine failure. How did they take care of the 11-month-old, I wonder? I uh, was wondering that, too, although I did see one that said there was a trail of diapers that they found, searchers found at one point when they were, uh, so they had diapers on them, but I don't right. know where they would have gotten them. Unless, and what did they you know, eat? I think one of the older children were, was somewhat savvy. If they're and indigenous, the jungle. maybe they had ways of nature. Yes, yeah, that's what I'm reading. Hmm. Yeah. 11 months, you, you're probably not even walking at 11 months. Um, that's rare to walk at 11 yeah, months. Yeah, probably not. <laughs> Don't ask the five unless, of us. Unless we there's a snake no chasing you. <laughs> yeah, 11 months, four years yeah, old, yeah, elf I know. All fathers, we all going, uh, no uh, idea. Most of time. I've seen him walk at uh, 13 months. I know he was on the dirt bike at age four. That's yeah. all I know. But you know that <laughs> each one of us could call our wives and say, when do kids start walking? And they'll know yep. immediately. Yep. Yep. It varies yep. from kid to kid. No. Well, it depends on their motivation, personality, ambition. Ambition. I mean, you know, do you want to stand up and, you know, pull on the curtains or what? Yeah. 
Brooks on Wait. the child psychologist suddenly. What is that an know? euphemism? Pulling the curtains? No. An euphemism? <laughs> Oof. Don't try not to extrapolate anything more than that, Kenny. You know the old saying, no, not the hour? Yeah. Yes, sir. Well, apparently it, their hour wasn't up. That's correct. That's good. Man alive. 40 uh, days. Wow. Weird situation in That is symbolic that it was 40 days, isn't it? And 40 nights. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. Big flood. Some, in Florida this weekend, uh, some beachgoers, a little surprised, have you seen this video? Yes, I have. I, I, a bear just made itself at home walking right out of the ocean. I did see this, yeah. Florida Beach. You video clips. They're around. Mm. Bears video are everywhere. Shot Sunday in Destin, showing the black bear first swimming in the water before taking to land. Very comfortable with a lot of people roaming around there. Obviously, most of the people were a bit stunned staring at the animal as it carried on like a pet dog enjoying a, enjoying a beach day. And you can even hear one kid yell out, it's a bear. A witness told local Fox 13 he started recording as soon as he saw the animal, saying it just kept swimming in. He got to shore, shook off, ran into the brush in the sand dunes. I think most people were more shocked than scared. No one expected to see a bear in the Gulf of Mexico. I saw a chipmunk, a baby chipmunk emerging from a hole at the edge of a sand trap where the grass met the sand there there was a burrow okay and this guy kept looking out Just wondering to see what was what's going, going on, on. looking yeah. probably looking for bears maybe you know? yeah were you able to hit him uh yeah i got him good no i didn't touch you, him you can get him you can get him but is this the time of year when chipmunks are being born uh, I've got, we've got some new squirrels. Staff. It's also the time of year where the chipmunks are being killed. Killed. When are chipmunks? Now, okay, I have a question. Are chipmunks the things that look like miniature squirrels with stripes? Is yes. that a chipmunk? Yes. Right. See, I have those in front of my garage, and they walk in when I'm sitting there. That's right. right. But um, they're, of they're, different. In there. they're different from striped gophers. Okay. Striped. But I, don't, but I don't have a striped gopher walking in my garage, do I? All right, here we go. Probably not. No. This is from uh, a study done by the University of Massachusetts. A litter of Ooh. two to five tiny, hairless, and blind young are each no more than two and a half inches long are born after a 31-day gestation period. The first litter is generally born in April or May and the second in July or August. After six weeks under the mother's watchful eye, they begin to take short trips out of the burrow. So there well, you go. Well, maybe I didn't see a chipmunk. Maybe it was some sort of other animal. Well, then it was a striped gopher. No, there's no such thing. There's a striped gopher. Yeah, yeah that might have been what you saw. Yeah. <laughs> Got it. Maybe it, it was a squirrel. <clears throat> when they run back down the hole, you just go. <laughs> they come back. Eventually, they'll poke their head up, and that's when you squeeze off around at them. Yeah, I choked a ground squirrel once. Oh, that's a whole yeah. different thing. My boom bare hands. Mm. Is that a, is that bunga a bunga euphemism? Bunga? Huh? Like that's an euphemism. Bunga bunga. Bunga bunga. Maybe they found out you're the guy bunga. with the spinning squirrel feet. That still is not one squirrel has approached that piece of junk. What do you have for what, what's your bait? Corn feed. Mm. Oh. How about birds? Not a single bird. Are we still doing the show? Not a single bird. <laughs> Kenny, I'm never going to say euphemism. 
the right way again. This gal is jumping up and down without her shirt on. <laughs> Kenny is watching. What are you watching, movie? Kenny? It's always a disappointment it's to learn that you don't pay any attention. Something from Roman Polanski in the early forbidden 70s. something, you said. Yeah, like yeah, something forbidden. Yeah. Yeah, I'll tell you what's not forbidden. What's that, Joe? Get out there and cook Grunhofer's meat on your grill or in your kitchen. I don't care where you cook it. It's going to be the best meal you've ever had. Yeah. Sirloin, ribeye, tenderloin steaks, 140 different flavors of brats, Minnesota beef grown by Minnesota farmers. You know the drill. We're all Grunhofer's fans. Rookie burgers, meat, town ball, meatloaf. Grunhofer's Old Fashioned Meats. It's on Highway 61, just north of Hugo, and it's uh, in Forest Lake on Highway 97, just west of Interstate 35. It's uh, fantastic. They did 19.04 miles of brat casings for Memorial Day weekend. You think people don't love Grunhofer's brats? This is perfect for the 4th of July. Get your supplies ready. Do it ahead of time. Yeah. Uh, people are coming from all over. They're going to have a big, big sales uh, effort coming up because you got Wagyu ribeye, strips, sirloin, oh. tenderloin. Uh, you've got everything you could right ever now. want. You know those casings? They snap when you bite them, too, yeah. those brats. Look, at you have your eyes closed as I'm though you're picturing meditating. the table. Picturing yeah. the table. Can you see it? Plentiful. Mm. You think they'd sell striped gopher at Grunhofer's? No. Oh. Not even striped. Okay. It's all it's all the good stuff at Grunhofer's Old Fashioned Meats in Hugo, right on 61 right north there. of Hugo and 97 in uh, Stillwater Highway 97, just west of Interstate 35. K&L Surplus and Ammo offers one of the widest selection of firearms in the region. K&L carries 10 different brands of ammunition, including Aguila, Armscore, Federal, Remington, CCI, Magtech, Cellier and Beloy, Norma, PPU, and Hornady. K&L also carries many different brands of firearms, like Ruger, Smith & Wesson, Canik, Glock, Springfield Armory, Rock Island, Rattay, SKB Shotguns, Hawa, Tika, Henry, and CZ. KLGunstore.com. Who? Yep. What is Reverse? You cannot what stop him. He'll just make a move. Joe Suchere. I'll tell you what a Reavers is. He's a guy that got his yard taken care of by the good people at Mosquito Shield. I don't need to tell you, it's officially mosquito season right now. So if you're getting eaten up in your yard, you got to call the best. That's MoShield.com. That's their website. Or give them a call directly at 612-619-1556. It's Ray and Mike, a father and son team who have two franchises right here in the Twin Cities. They're going to take great care of you and your yard. They typically come out every 10 to 17 days for an application. And they do so until the mosquitoes and ticks who have no ambition, go dormant, uh, usually the end of September or the start of October. And they also stand behind their work. If for any reason you need them in between applications, they will do an additional service call at absolutely no charge. It's because they want you to choose when it's time to go inside, not the mosquitoes and ticks. So you call them up, 612-619-1556, or go to moshield.com and enter your zip code. And if you mention Garage Logic, you are going to get $50 off your service, brah. I erred. Did I say spend? Spencer Grunhofer had a place in Stillwater? You did. I, I didn't mean that. There are two Grunhofer's locations in Hugo on Highway 61, actually just north of Hugo, and in Forest Lake. That's the new place. Just east of 97, not Stillwater, Forest Lake. 
ticks. Uh, who mentioned ticks? I did. Oh. Uh, they're killing my uh, golf ball finding exploits because I'm so afraid of tick-borne diseases that I no longer look for golf balls. What's well, a big passion of yours? Oh, I like it much better than playing golf. <laughs> much better. And I, I, I'm frozen. I just don't know what to do. Gotcha. <laughs> I won't go in there. Can't you get, you know, like one of those tick collars that we put on a dog? I might have to do that. <laughs> put them on your ankles. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Bert notes that on the uh, June 9th podcast, you went through a litany of LGBTQ shut up commemoration days, according to the University of Nebraska. One that stood out was Lesbian Visibility Day. Huh. Like Mitch Hedberg's Bigfoot and the Las Vegas UFO, are lesbians blurry? The ones I know are clearly visible, so this confuses me. Also, what do I do when I cleverly spot a lesbian? Hug them, hand them some cash, create a new government program? I'll consult the lesbians I know, Bert. Gotcha. Uh, yeah, lesbian visibility day. Because lesbians are blurry. Follow it up. Let's go. Angel said, I got a large... Out of focus spaceship in my yard. Can't drive a caterpillar. You know why? Because those people are dummies. That's dummies. my new theory. Dummies. Only because they come to us all the way from Fernandina, the villages, Florida, from the traveling Lymans. It was on this day in 1838. Joe, today is June 12th. Well, the Iowa Territory was formed. It included in its claim present-day Minnesota west of the Mississippi River, which was called Clayton County. Henry H. Sibley served as justice of the peace for the county, but this part of Minnesota would be left without a government when Iowa became a state in 1846. On this day in 1873, uh, 612. Rocky Mountain locusts Oof. crossed into Minnesota and began destroying crops in the southwestern part of the state. Relief efforts were organized to keep the settlers from starving. The locusts returned for the next four years, finally leaving in August of 1877. Huh. Wow. On this day in 1905. Joe, today is June 12th. Uh, visiting the Twin Cities for the dedication of the new capital, William Colville died in his sleep at the old soldier's home in Minneapolis the night before the ceremony at which he was to carry the battle flag of his regiment. Born in New York in 1830, Colonel Colville had led the first Minnesota's famous charge at Gettysburg. After the war, the Red Wing resident served as state attorney general. Hmm. And on this day in 1914, the last commercially cut logs passed through Stillwater's boom on the St. Croix, marking the end of large-scale logging in the St. Croix Valley, the boom was a chain of logs stretched across the river. Logs floated from upstream, each carrying their owner's brand, were sorted and measured so that each logging company got credit for what it had cut. Huh. And on this day in 1946... Wow, it's a long one. Oh, yeah. The Minnesota Historical Society accepted a grant from the Weyerhaeuser family to establish the Forest Products History Foundation. Initially located in St. Paul, the foundation evolved into the international organization known as the Forest History Society. It's now located in Durham, North Carolina. The society's mission remains the same, to preserve and interpret the documents of forest and conservation history. And finally, on this day, June 12, in 2012, a massive storm which continued into June 20. 
dropped over seven inches of rain on Duluth and surrounding areas. 31 homes and businesses were damaged. Total damage estimates were set at 100 million. Floodwaters overwhelmed the Duluth Zoo, killing several animals and leading several others to escape. The swinging bridge in Jay Cook State Park was destroyed. I remember that. I remember that storm in Duluth. It was a massive what year? rain event. 2012. 2012. Oh. 2012. It was considered a massive storm. A little preview for tomorrow. Yeah. Um, I'm going to let you read a letter that I wrote to uh, one of my good friends. Uh, I wrote a letter on May 14th, 1979. Oh. And uh, to my ago. dear friend, Sonny. And <laughs> let's do it tomorrow because I, I don't want to. You want to be able to like, prepare. I just, I just found it. It's, okay. It's, it's typed. So yeah. I want you to critique that tomorrow at All some right. point, and we'll... Uh, How do we make a note of that? The we content can, is... We here. cannot forget here. that. Tomorrow. Toilet. Yeah, we'll get a note. Or note no, letter. Letter. Yeah. Uh, was there really a Sonny? Uh, yes, it was John David Winters the second. Uh-huh. And he moved away. He lived on Juno with me and then moved away. So I'm kind of catching up with him. And I'm giving him what an What year? 1979. You would have been about 11? I was 9. nine. I would have been 10 in December. All right. All right. Let's, I'll be glad to, uh, um, I'll be glad to look at okay, it tomorrow for you. Okay, a little bit. Yeah. In, yeah. in yeah. other news, uh, I'm not going to be here tomorrow. All right. <laughs> We're going to miss the letter. We'll see you. Thank you, GLers. Thank you, GLers, for going to PodMN on your smartphone to find out another podcast. Um, something that suits your interest, you'll find the library, large library, at PodMN on your smartphone. Quick reminder, Monday's reminder, YouTube Garage Logic has a channel, but you need to subscribe to it, and it's free. That's a great deal. Plus, signing up for the Garage Logic Town Council. So easy to do. You go to garagelogic.com, pay your 10 bucks. A month or $100 for the year. And you're going to get a $10 Fry Loney's Hardware and Garden Store gift certificate. That's super easy to do. What are you waiting for? Joining the council will allow you to listen in on what we do during the breaks, what we're talking about off the air, and just some other good stuff. Go to garagelogic.com. That's the town council.